0: turn in your Bible, Daniel chapter 6, continuing on in our uh, sermon series from the book of Daniel. Daniel, past, present, and future. And um, this morning is a very familiar story. And sometimes it's uh, easy to preach a familiar story, and sometimes it's difficult to preach a familiar story because everybody knows it already, right? But today we're talking about Daniel and the lion's den, and if I were to have a title this morning, it would be this, Survivor, Survivor. I am a survivor. I will survive. You may have watched that um, reality show from time to time, Survivor, where the people go out on an island or wherever they go and they have to live off the land and compete against each other and try to survive, Uh, Sometimes your life might feel like a feat in survival, but I'm here to tell us this morning: through the power of God, we can and we will survive. Amen. And we will have obstacles. We will have challenges. We will have to face uh, things in this life as a Christian. But if God be for us, who can be against us? And I will survive. You will survive. And I want us to get it into our minds and into our hearts this morning. I am a survivor. I'm not a victim, right? There's people who take on victim mentalities. I am not a victim this morning. I am a survivor. There are people who take on an attitude of defeat. Well, nothing ever goes right in my life. I just can't get ahead. No, no, no. uh Uh-uh. That's not me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. I am a survivor, There's a lot of stories about survivors. Uh, uh, There are airplane crashes, but then the people somehow survive the airplane crash. There have been hiking adventures that go astray and people lost in in the wilderness and somehow they have survived and been rescued snow avalanches and even unusual accidents of all sorts and varieties and there are inspiring survival stories. One story I saw this week was about a lady who was a little up in years and she was outside on her deck or someplace outside of her house and she suffered a fall and broke her hip and she was stuck and it was winter time and the bitter cold was starting to set in and the sun was starting to set and she could not reach anybody. She did not have a cell phone. She was not in reach of a landline. And she began to pray and God gave her peace right in that moment. Isn't that amazing how God can give us when the Bible says peace that passes all understanding. He really will give us that peace when we need it the most. He really really will give us that grace when we need it the most. And she began to pray and she asked God and she said, God, I know somehow you're going to take care of. Of me Now, that's a hopeless situation. That's scary. Isn't it scary? That's scary. And God gave her peace, but God sent her warmth. How did he send her warmth? Through her two Labrador retrievers. The story went on to say that they actually covered her up, get this, with a blanket. Now, I don't know how they, I don't know if they went upstairs to the bedroom and pulled it off. the. <laughs> that might be a little much. But somehow... You know, I picture it was probably more like maybe she was able to point and and maybe they listened to a response, but somehow they pulled a blanket to her, and then through the night, the two labs laid down beside her and gave her warmth, and she was a survivor, and God answered her prayers. And today we're going to read about a man who spent the night with some kitty cats down in a den, (laughs) and he too was a survivor. A survivor. Are you a survivor? Am I a survivor? I I looked at the next point in my sermon this morning and I thought, you know what? Not just being a survivor but let's be thrivers. Think about that. Let's thrive in this world. Let's not have a mentality that I'm just gonna make it through today so I can get back up and drag through tomorrow and get back up and drag through the next day. No, I want to thrive. And I believe there is a richness that we can have in our walk with Christ and thrive in the Holy Spirit each and every day. Daniel was not just a survivor. Daniel was a thriver. I called him, in my notes, distinguished Daniel. He distinguished himself above all of the rest. Let's think. think back, please, with me for just a few moments. This man, Daniel, who was taken as a teenager from his home, And relocated into evil Babylon, taken away from everybody and everything that he knew and uprooted. And he had every reason to have a defeatist attitude, every reason to be depressed, every reason to be bitter. But yet he had an excellent spirit about him all through the book of Daniel. So from the time of his youth all the way to his 90s, we see a man who distinguished himself. Why was he able to do this? We see a man who outlasted, I love this, he outlasted kings and even two empires. The very people who took him captivity, Daniel outlived them and and went on to serve in the next empire that put down the Babylonian empire. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that a God thing? Daniel distinguished himself. He excelled above all of the rest. And I ask myself this question, why was he able to excel? We could look at our chosen vocations and each one of us could say, or within our lives in certain areas, and each one of us could say, I want to excel. I want to stand out. I want to do well. I want to do well for my family. I want to do well to please God. How do I excel And I asked myself this question about Daniel, and the biggest thing that grabbed my heart was the hand of God was on Daniel. The hand of God was on Daniel. And I wanna tell us this morning, if the hand of God is on your life, and if the hand of God is on my life, we can do great things for God. We can be great people for God. But it was a two-way street as I think about this. The hand of God was upon Daniel, but get this, Daniel had to allow God to put his special touch and hand upon him. You see, it starts in an internal desire this morning. And I say to us this morning, from the youngest to the oldest, let me encourage us to cultivate a desire in our hearts and our lives to please God. That's our main purpose in being in this world, Amen. Cultivate that inner, that desire to say, God, I wanna please you. God, I wanna have a rapport with you. I wanna have a relationship, an intimacy with you so that you in turn can put your mighty hand upon me and upon my life and use me. Daniel 6, three. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because he had an excellent spirit in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm he had an excellent spirit about him i believe that wherever you may work god wants to anoint you in your vocation to have an excellent spirit about you do you know our work our vocation what we do in life where we're at can be a testimony a mighty testimony to god and god's glory and you can say, well, pastor, I've never thought about my job that way. I've never thought I've just, you know, it's to get a paycheck. I'm not really happy where I'm at. But, but I want to encourage us this morning to think about where God has placed you. Think about where you are working and think, God, how can I have an excellent spirit and an excellent character and an excellent testimony for you? And I promise you, God will use you right where you are. If you believe that, say amen this morning. He had an excellent spirit, and the king said, I'm gonna put you above everything. You see, the hand of God will cause you to outlast and outshine your competition. Daniel was working for his enemies, but yet the king said, I'm gonna promote you. As we get ready to see the rest of this story, Daniel was working among his enemies who were jealous of him and wanted to take him down and take him out, but yet he was able to outlast and outshine your competition. You might find yourself at the schoolhouse or at the workplace or within your family, even at times where there are people who are upset with you or people who are trying to undermine you or jealousy on the workplace or jealousy in the home or jealousy in the school, but God will help us to outlast and outshine the competition. He can help us keep the right attitude. He can help us excel and keep a good testimony for him. And that's what happened today in Daniel's life. Daniel was placed among a compromiser. Actually, I will say he was placed among several compromisers. There was a season in my life early on in my career where I've felt like the Lord just kind of spoke to me in prayer, kind of impressed it on my heart and said, You know, you are, you are in a position. Around a lot of compromisers. And I I don't mean that to throw off on those people, and I don't think the Lord meant it to throw off, but I think the Holy Spirit was just maybe warning me and just saying, hey, you know, you've got to stand for what is right. You've got to stand on God's word, and your lifestyle cannot be compromised just because those who are around you are compromising their lives. And Daniel lived among a society that was compromised. What an example for us as we see our society where it is headed even in the last just few years, right? He was in a society that was compromised, but all of the other leaders were compromised. And they did not like the fact that Daniel was gonna get promoted. Can I tell you, everybody doesn't get excited when you and I succeed. I wish they did, but they don't. Everybody doesn't throw a parade when we succeed, do they? I had a superintendent of schools looked at me one time when I was in my first principalship and he said, Greg, some people don't like you, not because of you, but because the position you are in. And that was a hard pill to swallow. But some people don't like us because the position that we're in. Some people don't like us because we're goody two-shoes, we live right. Some people don't like us because we're serving Christ, right? And, and prevalent in this world today is an attitude of the Antichrist, who is probably on the horizon when you study biblical prophecy, but there is certainly an antichrist spirit or attitude that is prevalent, and some people don't care for us these days more and more because we are what? Christians. I looked on Facebook the other day when they were talking about a Chick-fil-A coming to town. Now, I would throw a parade and rejoice and have revival over a new Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord, give me a number one, supersize it, and give me three or four Polynesians. I can have a good revival service right there. Hallelujah. I was excited. But then I started reading the comments that people were making about Chick-fil-A coming to town. And a lot of people despise that organization because that organization is a Christian organization. Now, that's just one example of many that we are seeing in our world today. And people want to cancel the culture, and they want to. There's a woke movement, and there. If you don't believe what they believe, then you're out, buddy. You are out on the side. But I still believe the word of God this Amen. morning, and I don't want to compromise. Do you? And even as this society takes its its um, turn towards antichrist attitudes, and it seems like it's on an accelerated pace in that direction. Even in the midst of that, you and I can be Daniel's who excel and live for God uncomfortably. That's what I want in my heart and in my life. Daniel was about to get promoted, but those people resented him. They resented him because he lived right. They resented him because he was going to get a promotion. And I called them the pouting plotters. The pouting plotters. There's people that'll come across the landscapes of our lives at times that are pouting plotters. They don't like what's happening in our lives. They don't like what God's doing in your life. They they don't like that you're a Christian. They don't like that you're doing well in the workplace. And they're pouting and they're plotting. And maybe it's pride. We've talked a lot about pride the last few weeks. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's resentment, whatever it is. But then you also had the king. If you look in this story, he wasn't one of the plotters, but he should have known better. Right, All of these people, all these leaders came together, so-called all of them. I'm sure it wasn't all of them, but they told the king it was all of them. And they go to the king and they say, O king, old king, live forever. You are the best thing since sliced bread. You are great. You are, you are as good as fried bologna and mashed potatoes in a cold day. You are great, old king. And they looked at him and they flattered him and they said, you should have your own holiday, the king's holiday. And and we should all worship you and we should have this time period where everybody prays to you, old king. Now the king in his modesty said, oh yes, we should. (laughs) He had no modesty, did he? His ego got the best of him. And what he ended up doing was spiting himself. What he ended up doing was agreeing to something that he could not in turn change. And he made a law that said anybody that prays for these next 30 days, they pray to anybody but me, they're going to the lion's den. Now, why did these pouting plotters do that? These pouting plotters did that because they wanted to get Daniel. And they had searched his internet record. They couldn't find anything. They had gone to the FBI. They couldn't find anything. They had snooped around his house and gone through his, his kitchen drawers and they couldn't find anything. They had gotten his cell phone and looked through all his text messages and they could not find any dirt on Daniel. Not a nothing. That's a good life, isn't it? That's the kind of life you and I should strive, strive to lead, Right? That if somebody is gonna make an accusation against one of us, that it has to be a false one. Isn't that a good thought? That that if they are gonna accuse me of something, it's gonna have to be a false accusation because I am maintaining my integrity. They searched everything. They could not find anything against Daniel. And so they said, the only way we're gonna trip him up is in his religion. And that's why they had the king make this law because they knew he was a man of prayer. Now that'll preach right There, right here, and right now. If we are gonna successfully navigate this society in which we are living, we need to be people of prayer. We need to pray. The Bible said pray without ceasing. I think that means having a continual thought process, mind process of praying that I might be driving down the road and thinking about something and I turn it over to the Lord in prayer. I might be standing in line at Walmart and and something comes to mind and I turn it over to the Lord in prayer. I have special prayer times. I pray. We need to cultivate prayer. If not now, when, right? But now more than ever. Now more than ever, And Daniel was a man of prayer, and they said, if if we're going to trip him up, this is the only way we're going to be able to do it. So the decree went out, and let's see what Daniel's response was. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees Three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Daniel didn't change. He prayed. And the neat thing about that was he didn't say, oh, they just made this new law, so I'm going to crusade against it and I'm going to make myself known. He didn't have to do that. He just did what he always did. Boy, that'll preach, won't it, this morning. I say, why don't we we live for Christ? Why don't we be consistent in our walk for Christ and not worry about external factors? Don't worry about if Christianity is being celebrated. Don't worry about if Christianity is being persecuted. Why don't we just say, I have decided to follow Christ and I'm gonna be consistent today and tomorrow and next week and next week and my life is gonna bear it out and if the rules change, it's not gonna matter to me. One way or the other. And that's how Daniel was. And Daniel opened the window like he always did. Three times a day. Faced Jerusalem and he prayed. By this time he was probably over 80 years old. By this time he had been away from Jerusalem since he was a teenager. A literal lifetime really. And still yet there was something inside of him that knew where he belonged and who he belonged to. And the time passed made no difference. What a powerful example. Sometimes we need to think back to to when we first gave our hearts and life to Christ and say, that time that has passed does not make any difference. I still belong to him and I still serve him and I still love him. And Daniel prayed three times a day. You see, he was found guilty, guilty as charged. If I have to be found guilty of something, let me be found guilty of being a Christian. If I have to be found guilty of something, let me be found guilty of praying. If I have to be found guilty of something, let me be found guilty of witnessing. If I have to be found guilty of something, let me be found guilty of not compromising the truth in this world today, amen? He was found guilty, but he was found guilty of the right things. The king lacked such discernment. There's such a lesson right there. We could probably build a whole lesson about the king, about discernment and wisdom. Here he was, he had made this law that he could not reverse. Why could he not reverse it? Because they looked at the kings those days as little gods and they said, all right, if the king makes a ruling then he is above reproach, he knows everything, so we're not gonna change it, it can't be changed. So the king was in a quagmire, the king was stuck because the rule that he had made was now going to kill potentially his best advisor. And he struggled and he tried to figure out a loophole, he tried to figure out a way around it. Practically speaking this morning, we really, the Bible says what, count the cost, right? Think about things before we make decisions, Before you or I go into something that's a point of no return, we need to pray about our decisions and really think it through and pray it through. Amen? And we need to get good godly advice, and it's nothing wrong with that. But the king was listening to these evil rulers. Why did he not, when he was making this law to begin with, why did he not call Daniel in the wisest person in his kingdom? Think about that. Why didn't he do that? And sometimes we make decisions and then we look back and say, why didn't I call so-and-so and ask their advice? Or more importantly than that, we say, why didn't I pray about it, right? Can I tell us this morning as we make decisions, practical decisions, we need to pray and read the Word and pray some more and take our time. Most big decisions should not be rushed, amen? And God wants to show us, I promise you, God wants to show you and I his will. And through prayer, through his word, through the Holy Spirit, he can help us to make good decisions. You say, Pastor, why are you talking so much about practical right now? Because the practical always affects the spiritual. Right? The practical always affects the spiritual. If I get myself in such financial bondage because of decisions that I haven't prayed about and haven't studied the word of God, don't you think that financial bondage is gonna affect me spiritually at some point, right? So pray, pray, and you say, well, pastor, I've made some decisions now that I I regret. I thank God that he's a God of mercy and restoration, and you know what, if you're in a a situation, whether it's financially or vocationally or family or whatever, and it's less than desirable, I say, go to God in prayer. Say, God, I don't like where I'm at. I'm not in a good place. Would you give me wisdom, discernment, guidance, and help me to navigate out of this? Is that all right this morning? Say amen. God wants to help us in our everyday lives and our practical, practical things because really all the practical things do tie to spiritual things. So he goes to Daniel. And he said, there's nothing I can do. I, I've made the law, and I've got to throw you into the, into the den of lions. And so they took Daniel and, and they threw him into the den of lions, and it was an interesting night. An interesting night. You have the king who goes back to his palace. You have Daniel who's in the den with the lions. And I would like to say to both of them, how did you sleep last night? <laughs> how did you sleep last night? Maybe I asked you that question first. How did you sleep last night? Did everybody sleep okay last night? Were you tossing and turning and up and down, or did you did you sleep and snore like my wife did? Or how did you how did you do last night? I see you're back there. I'm gonna be in big trouble, aren't I? How did you sleep last night? The interesting thing about this is Daniel slept better than the king. <laughs> Think about that. Daniel was the one thrown into danger. Daniel was thrown into imminent danger death, right? But he rested well because the angel of the Lord appeared to Daniel and shut the lion's mouth. And Daniel slept like a baby with his fur babies, right? Like some of you have your fur babies. He slept like a baby with his fur babies. But the king, the Bible said, had a restless night, a horrible night. Have you ever had a restless night? Nothing worse than a restless night, is it? Maybe something's on your mind, something's hurting you, maybe both, and you can't sleep, and it is awful. The Bible said that the king couldn't sleep. They tried to bring him food, he wouldn't eat. They tried to bring him entertainment, he wouldn't be entertained. And he just had a horrible night. And it was one of those nights where he couldn't wait until he saw the sun coming up in the morning. You ever had those nights where, where you think, well, thank goodness, thank goodness. I didn't get any sleep, but at least I can get up and just start the day, right? At least I can just get up and do something now because the sun is coming up. And that's the kind of night that the king had. Because the Bible said as soon as the sun came up, this miserable king got up and ran to the den of lions to check on Daniel, right? I would like to think, now the Bible doesn't say it this way, but... I think it could be very possible. I would like to think that he woke Daniel up. I I would like to think that Daniel was was laying in there with his fur babies and he was he was so sleep. What is it, REM sleep where you're sleeping so well and you just, you know, your body's so relaxed and you just got that deep sleep going on. I'd like to think that Daniel was probably just just and and the king's hollering, Daniel, Daniel, and trying to sleep here, (laughs) leave me alone. You know, I'll testify later. Just let me sleep 10 more minutes. Like me when I hit my snooze bar and then I hit my snooze bar and I hit my snooze bar. You know, I'd like to think Daniel was like, oh, this is the best sleep I've had in weeks. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you telling me to get up? But the king was frantic and he yelled, Daniel has your God whom you serve continually delivered you. And Daniel said, oh, king, live forever. God sent his angel to come and shut the mouth of the lion. What a great story. But I believe this morning Daniel was not just in the den with a bunch of lions, but he was sleeping in the den with a deliverer, our deliverer. God had sent his angel to shut the, life, the mouth of the lion. I believe it could very well be that the angel was like the angel of the Lord that we hear about different times through the Old Testament when Christ himself made an appearance on the scene in Old Testament times. Many times he was referred to as the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, a specific. I believe very strongly it could have been Christ himself that was deployed to be in the den of lions with Daniel, just like he had been deployed to be in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why do I get excited about that? Why does that? make me happy this morning because Christ is a deliverer for them but he's a deliverer for you and I and he has deployed to us the power of the Holy Spirit not just the power of the Holy Spirit but the person of the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells and abides inside of you and I and you see the deliverer has come. And you and I do not have to live defeated, depressed, and despondent lives. You and I can be lifted up in victory and in power in life, daily life, through the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. You see, we have a deliverer. Yes, Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord who went to the Father and prayed, Hey, I want you to send the Holy Spirit to them to help them, to guide them, to encourage them. So how'd you sleep last night? If you didn't sleep well last night because of a conscience issue, you can make it right today, right? You say, I've not been sleeping well because things with me and God are not where they need to be. We can make that right today. You can say, pastor, I've not been sleeping well because I have problems and I have situations that are stressing me out. I wanna tell you this morning, there's a peace that passes all understanding and you can be reminded this morning that God is for you, God is with you. Put it into his hands and have faith. Somebody say that word faith. Faith. That's my last point this morning. Features of faith. We're survivors. I will survive. Somebody say that word survive. Survive. I will survive. Look with me with my closing passage. Hebrews chapter 11 starting at verse 32. Hebrews 11 starting at 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms Worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. What a powerful, powerful Testimony, Isn't it? What great victory because of faith, because of faith in God, because of a God who had his hand up on them and a purpose for them. That is powerful faith, isn't it? I want to tell us there's another kind of powerful faith. That's the second part of this passage. You see, God doesn't always deliver us the way we expect him to deliver us. Come on now, right? And sometimes that takes the stronger of the faith. Sometimes God doesn't miraculously solve the problem. Sometimes he takes us through the problem. And sometimes he gives us an eternal reward with him where we are total victors forever and forever. But my faith tells me that I'm a survivor either way. I'm a survivor one way or the other. Look at this, others were tortured. I was reading just the other day about some that they would not renounce I think it was during the Roman Empire, and they would not renounce Christ, and they would strap them to machines, and they would crank that machine, and it would pull their joints back, and they would say, do you renounce Christ now? No. They would pull it again. Do you renounce him now? No. And they would pull it again, and they would die a horrible, horrible martyr's death. I read about another guy the other day that they tied him up to the stake. I preached about him several months ago, Polycarp, and they lit fire at his feet. But he said, all these years I have served God, he's done me nothing but good. I wanna tell you, he was a survivor. And the time might come in this nation right here that you and I may have to face persecution for our beliefs, but we are survivors. Survivors. Amen, I'm not preaching to a bunch of cowards this morning. I'm not preaching to a bunch of wimps this morning. I'm not preaching to a group that would say, okay, we'll renounce Christ. Okay, we'll go along with this antichrist agenda that's coming through the land. No, we're gonna stand, aren't we? We're gonna survive one way or the other. If he stops the mouth of the lion or if the lion has me for lunch, I don't care. I'm a survivor. I doubt I would taste very good. (laughs) but either way, I would be a survivor, right? It's that faith. It's faith. It's faith. It's faith that says, I'm going to serve God. If he blesses me, I'm going to serve God. If he tests me, I'm going to serve God. If he puts me up, I'm going to serve God. If he brings me down, that's the kind of faith God is looking for this morning. Others were tortured But they would not accept deliverance. They said, no, no, I'm not going to. No, you're not going to let me go because I'm not going to let go of my testimony. That they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. And yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. But I like what verse 38 says, but of whom this world wasn't even worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, but they did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. You see, a lot of these folks stood for God, especially Old Testament times, before the plan of salvation was totally even put into place. But now you and I have that better promise. Jesus Christ has died on the cross. Jesus Christ has risen from, do you believe he has risen from the dead? Jesus Christ, he's died, he paid the price for it. Jesus Christ on the third day, he rose again. Jesus Christ ascended after 40 days to the Father. Jesus Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father, living and breathing to make intercession for you and I as our great intercessor, as our great high priest. You see, we have obtained the better promise. And if the Old Testament saints could take it and make it, you and I definitely can take it and make it. Amen? We are survivors. We are part of the new covenant. We are part of the new agreement. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We have Jesus who has torn the veil into the holies of holies. You and I can live for Christ and we can have features of faith. Features of faith. I found this from a study Bible. Faith is certain of God's promises. Faith is confident of God's power. Faith perceives his divine design for our lives. Faith acts upon his promises. Faith esteems Christ above all. And faith overcomes trials. What's your trial this morning? No doubt I could go around this room and there would be multiple trials. But I want to encourage you this morning to let faith arise in your heart. Feel it. Let faith arise in your mind. Believe it. Let faith arise in how you live going forward through this knowing that God will see you through. Have faith in this trial. You are a survivor. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Would you stand with me all over this building as they come to sing for us today? This altar is open. If you need prayer, special prayer, if you need to come and accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, if you just want to come and praise, praise the Lord and bring honor to his name, this altar is open for you this morning. Would you bow your head and let's pray together. Lord, I pray that before we leave this house, that the Holy Spirit would pass by our way. I pray that before we leave this house, that if there's somebody that's discouraged in their trial, that you would encourage them this morning with your word and with your power, that you would remind them that you you are their father, that you belong to them, they belong to you, that you would remind them that there is victory ahead, that you would remind them that you have not forgotten them, And there is victory in this trial. That you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And Lord, I just pray that you would move in every heart and every life. Bring encouragement today. Increase our faith today. And let us leave with more confidence. More assurance. That you're working in and through our lives. In the good days and in the bad days at the times that you bring an instant answer and work a miracle and the trial stops and we rejoice and we thank you for that and we know you're able to do that. But also God, during those trials that we don't seem to understand that just seem to to linger on and on and on and press on and on, that you're with us then too, God, and that you're doing a work in us and we are survivors and we all look for that ultimate victory, the resurrection with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, God, we are winners. We are survivors either way. So encourage our hearts today. Let faith arise in our lives this morning and encourage us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you this morning.